Hey guys, welcome back. Another episode. I'm on a roll recently, man. Come on, man. You can't doubt the work ethic. You can't doubt the work ethic. <laughs> but yeah, we're not there. We're in the NBA now. Um, there's a lot happening, but we're all just excited for the All-Star game. I don't even know when the All-Star game is. I think it's in two weeks. Today is... February 2nd and yeah two weeks from now I think roughly roughly two weeks from now the all-star game should be starting and ending I mean it's just one weekend um the all-star weekend but yeah um it signifies something important most of the time it, it signifies a turning point for some teams and for some it signifies I don't know, man. There's just something different, especially individuals. It it seems like after the All Star game, some individuals they come back revitalized, rejuvenated, and just making that final push, either for resuscitating their seasons or just resuscitating their team in general. For example, I wouldn't be surprised if the second half of the season, Trey Young and the Hawks they come out guns blazing. They're just shooting up there. They go on a, what, eight, nine game win streak. These are the type of things that happen after the All-Star game. You know, it has the ability to, um, to just rejuvenate. And along with that as well is the trade deadline. I don't even know where that, when that is, but, um, expect some movement, accept some, expect, sorry, some, uh, trades. Those should be very interesting because, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's the last ditch attempt for every team to beef up their final squads for the, for the, for the championships, isn't like for the, for the playoffs. I don't know. Um, these are the type of things like I see them when they happen, but I don't go out of my way to find out when is this happening? When is this happening? But I mean, because I strive to give, uh, the best content available. I'll do my best to find out these things and then come back with information that's valid. Apologies, apologies, but yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, yeah, the, let's get let's get into the episode. Let's get right into it. I saw some interesting statistic online on YouTube. It was actually by JJ Redick. Uh, he he as a broadcaster, he is improving in leaps and bounds i don't know he's just incredible and his work ethic is ridiculous but then again he has a team now working with him so um maybe that's why he's getting so good i never thought i'd see a day when like i'd never thought i'd see a day um where jj is doing skits because he was literally doing skits um, on this other segment on his YouTube channel. And the skit was so beautiful. Uh, but yeah, um, these are terrible things that make me want to work harder as well at this. And just, you know, keep grinding, grinding, making more episodes, recording, and just getting better. But yeah, it's all part of the process. You gotta trust the process, baby. Joel Embiid! But yeah, um... Today's episode is just solely based on one statistic. In 1961, 25% of players in the NBA were all-star, were all-stars. While in 2023, only 4% of players in the NBA are all-stars. 
to put it into context, just give you raw numbers. Only 24 players can be All-Stars and 24 happens to be 4% of 510 or something, or a number in the ballpark of that. And this begs the question, shouldn't the number of All-Stars increase? So this, I'm not recording this episode as a, as a means to agree with this or to disagree with it. But I'm just going to give two sides of the coin and then you'll decide whether or not the number should increase or decrease. No, I don't think decreasing is possible, but stay the same or increase. Those are the two criterion um, that we are working with here. So every year, all-star starters are selected and by the fans, the media, and the players, right? And then from there, reserves are chosen. I think reserves are like two reserves. No, no. Bench players are part of the 12 that's selected from each conference. 12 players are, are selected. I don't remember the proportions uh, correctly as in like how many forwards, how many centers, and how many guards. I don't know the proportion of the 12. But let's just say 12 players from the Eastern Conference are selected, 12 players from the Western Conference are selected. And then there are alternates. Alternates are players that are going to... In case one of the starters or the reserves are injured, then alternates will be called and there'll be an all-star. I'm just not sure whether alternates are all-star even if they don't actually play and nobody gets injured if they're all-stars. I don't know about that, right? But JJ Redick said something very interesting. He said, since 2005, there has never been an, there's never been an, all-star game where alternates are not selected. Obviously, there are years where alternates don't play because, I mean, everyone is not injured and all of that, right? But now this begs the question, if every year from 2005, um, 18 years now, is it 18? Man, my mathematics is stupid. I think it's 18 years, yeah. Um... For 18 years now, alternates are selected every year. How bad is it? How bad would it be if instead of selecting alternates, you actually add two more roster spots to each, or even three, you just make it 15-15, and then you have the best 30 players in the NBA. I mean, you can just, you can go on and make that thing of choosing however many guards, however many forwards, however many centers. I don't really care about that now. That's a topic for another day. That's actually an episode for another day. But if you're able to have alternates, you might as well increase the number of all-stars and make those alternates actual all-stars so that if there are injuries, then you don't get to select any more alternates. It's just 15. And if... In those 15 that are selected, it, someone gets injured, it's okay. We don't replace them with someone else. This way, the eligibility of all-star, the all-star eligibility of 
a certain individual who's an alternate doesn't depend on injury of a certain starter or a reserve player, you know. Um, so I think you just make it 15-15 because, again, it's quite staggering that with the amount of talent in the NBA, only 4% of players get to be All-Stars. It, it's it's actually ridiculous. It's not ridiculous and like it's bad, but it's ridiculous because statistically, there's just a lot of good players producing a lot of good numbers, not just offensively, but even defensively and advanced analytics as well, you know. And I mean, I think this could also make people like Aaron Gordon, Drew Holiday, who else? De'Aaron Fox, you know, um, Darius Garland, Pascal Siakam, Bema Debayo. These players that are like borderline all-star, but not really all-star, you know, I think it could... It can motivate them. Jalen Brunson is also approaching that as well. It could motivate them to even work harder because, I mean, it's like, okay, I know that I can't, like, let's say you are Jalen Brunson, right? You are in the East. You know you're not better than Jalen Brown. You're not better than James Harden. You're not better than Kyrie Irving. You're not better than uh, Donovan Mitchell, you know? When all of that is factored is factored in, you kind of start thinking as as Jalen Brunson. So I'm competing with Darius Garland, I'm competing with Tarius Halliburton, um, Trey Young if Trey Young is in form, but you know that's not someone you can really depend on all the time. So with all that said, I think these borderline all stars, Drew Holiday, and you know I'm trying to think of them as Lamelo as well when healthy and. I mean, Hornets playing well, Lamelo Ball as well. You're creating this competition amongst borderline all-stars. Because, I mean, let's be honest, all-star sports are always secured for certain players, regardless of how they play, because they'll never play bad, you know? Um, because statistically, statistically speaking, and I mean, not just that, but as a hooper who, who has watched the season, Gilles, Gilgis Alexandra deserves to start, deserve you know, uh, because you look at the team he's playing for, you look at the impact that he has on that team. And, I mean, Thunder are literally overperforming right now. And it's because of him. I mean, it's averaging 30.2 points. So, that says a lot. And, again, Steph missed a significant amount of time. And Golden State Warriors aren't really playing their best basketball and let's be honest if you're going to take a roster and compare roster Steph is playing with people that are way better than Shea you know um but I'm not I mean obviously we can't even put Shea in the same conversation as Steph as and who's better nah that's not what I'm saying do not misconstrue my thought misconstrue that's a smart word but yeah um as I was saying if you're going to look at um pure numbers and not just numbers, just, you know, hoop knowledge and everything, you'd select Shea before Steph, purely based on this season. But it's not going to be like that because Steph is Steph. You have to have Steph in the starting lineup and respect, respect greatness. That's just how it goes. Basketball heritage is basketball heritage. 
man, I have this thing of speaking about things that don't matter and ignoring what I should be speaking about. So what I wanted to speak about, I've already said it, that increase the roster spots in the All-Star game and have more players competing for those spots. But then again, the counter-argument for someone on the other side uh, might say, won't an All-Star appearance mean less if more people can get it? So it's, it's that thing of gatekeeping the all-star appearance just so that it becomes a luxury you know um and they have a point as well as in like the less the people can be all-star the more extravagant the idea of being all-star sounds and looks you know um but then if you have players that most people probably don't respect and just don't really view as all-star if they're all-stars then that diminishes the quality of uh, that title of being an all-star. So I think that's one valid point that we can take home regarding this matter. Um, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of, not a lot, obviously on Twitter there's going to be a lot of talk about who got snapped, who's supposed to be starting and not. I mean, obviously, after the East and the West starters were, were announced, a lot of people were unhappy about Joel Embiid being on the bench. Um, I was particularly unhappy with Domantas Sabonis not getting a starter spot ahead of of Zion. I, I was quite disappointed about that. Uh, but then, I mean, it is what it is at this stage. Um, but yeah, that's it. Um, I thought I'd be I'd, I would be talking about who do I actually want to see in the All-Star game? Okay, I think we can do this. Let's do it. I don't have any book or pen or any information with me right now, so I'll just freestyle everything top of my head, right? So let's start with the West. Um, I'll just give you my All-Star selection. Um, maybe there should be a separate episode altogether. Yeah, let's make a separate episode. Let me be unprofessional and say... Cheers. Bye.